0: Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. All right, so this is the first Teaching Science in 3D podcast episode, so thanks for tuning in. Um, My name's Nicole. And and I'm Erin. And we are excited to get to know you in this episode and tell you a little bit about our story and um, our teaching experience, how we got started with the NGSS, some of our early challenges with it, and just kind of connect with you in that way. And um, I think it's also kind of cool that this is the first time that we're
1: actually talking to each other live, I think. I, like We've done it a little bit before, but um, this is the first time that we're like actually spending time talking to each other because we mostly
0: talk online. Yes, so. I think all of our conversations have been pretty much Instagram. I think you were in one Zoom call, but you never put your screen on. So I had no yeah. idea what you look like. Yeah. So in yeah. my head I was like, I wonder what she looks like. <laughs> I like, look how, super, I don't even know how old you
1: are. Like <laughs> I look super great right now. I just walked the dog, I'm a little sweaty, I haven't
0: showered, so <laughs> Hey, well that's why it's a podcast and so nobody yeah. can see us. <laughs> so it works out. Okay, so Erin, do you want to talk first about kind of your background?
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, It's kind of a crazy background. Um, I've always loved science. Um, I took all of the AP level courses in high school, but there weren't very many offered. Um, So that was kind of a weird experience because I actually haven't taken physical science since eighth grade, um, anything besides chemistry. Um, I went to UC Santa Cruz and I started as a biochem and molecular biology major. And then had a little bit too much fun and realized that I could take exactly the same classes taking anthropology um, courses instead of the bio courses. So I switched my major to anthropology. Um, I didn't go directly into teaching. I played around for a couple of years and then um, started substitute teaching after I broke up with a boyfriend and moved home. And um, that's kind of how I got started. So that was like 13 years ago and um, I've officially been teaching in my own classroom for 12 years and um, I have a chem and bio authorization I've
0: yeah that's good <laughs> yeah. Awesome. okay so that is actually really funny because there's like a breakup that features in my story too oh, yeah. um, okay so I actually did not like science all through middle and high school so, I always thought like I didn't like science. I'm not a science and math person, um, but if I look back to even like elementary school, I was super into like nature environment. I went to nature camp every single year from kindergarten through fifth grade at this local nature center. I like wanted to be like a marine, you know like I love dolphins and sea lions and all that stuff. so looking back, I think I did love science and like the natural world and all, but kind of school kind of drilled that out of me so by the time I got to high school and then college, I was. I'm a social studies language arts person. So I eventually went or I originally planned on doing like history and creative writing. Um and then my freshman year, I took a environmental science class because my boyfriend was taking it. <laughs> um and but I fell in love with it. Um and yeah, that, not so much I, him. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he didn't work out. Um but uh I yeah, so I fell in love with environmental science and it was, it was much more, it was all based in like the real world kind of stuff. And it wasn't, you know, the scientific method and there's my little quotation marks. It was very much just investigating things and solving problems and, um, and all of that. So I actually switched my major and I was going to do environmental, um, science as my major and then history as my minor. Well then like two years later, I broke up with that boyfriend and I had like a, like beginning of the semester crisis, and I just dropped all my classes and took a bunch of history classes, and I started working at a nature camp where I was teaching, like the kids, um, because of the environmental science classes, I decided to do that, and that was when I decided I wanted to be a teacher, so looking at my schedule and all the classes I had taken, and after my meltdown of dropping all my science classes and taking a bunch of history classes one year and all that... I basically was able to graduate early by doing a history major and then an environmental science minor so that I could go get my teaching certification and all of that. Like, so I went right into a master's program. So so technically my BA is not even in science, it's in history. Yeah, Um, mine is social science because it's... okay. (laughs) So... yes, exactly. And then I ended up becoming, so I did my um, certificate and all of that. So it was social studies, language arts, and I just took all of this, basically I just took all the tests I could so I could be certified in any subject because in Pennsylvania at the point where I was graduating, they were like cutting education funding and there were no teaching jobs and all that. So um, my first position was teaching language arts and social studies. And then my second position was teaching science. And then once I was in science, I was like, I'm never leaving. This is amazing. And I love it. So um, I was in the classroom for, I think, six-ish years. And I think there was like a half- year where I was like a long-term sub at the very beginning. Um, Well, there was, that was language arts. Um, But yeah, and then, then I moved into doing what I'm doing now. So first of all, what are you doing now? (laughs) Um, Well, I'm still teaching.
1: Um, I moved, um, when I first started teaching, I was teaching an hour away from home. And, um, two and a half ish years in, I, um, we got pregnant with my daughter and that didn't work. So, um, so yeah, commuting when you have kids isn't great. Um, so I moved closer to home. I moved to like a little farm community. Um, it was super tiny school district and I taught seventh through 12th grade science there. And, um, I was one of only two <laughs> science teachers at the school and one of only three science teachers in the district.
0: And then how uh, many press did you have there?
1: Uh, it was, wasn't too bad because we had a really big middle school program. So I only had three, so it wasn't, oh, okay. good, but it wasn't great. Um, and then, uh, then from there I ended up leaving because I got offered a job, um, in my homeschool district. So I'm teaching at a K school now. Um, where my daughter's going to be a third grader this year. So it's been a pretty good transition. And then um, on the side, I am um, running my blog, which is Saddler Science, and um, doing a couple other side hustle things.
0: That's exciting, yeah. So um, my big, like, cause of change was also kids. So I had my daughter when I was still teaching. I went back full-time. Um, but then when my son was born, I – First took my normal maternity leave actually went back with my daughter after like 7 weeks um it was my one my first, or it was my first year in that district and I didn't want to like take off a lot of time so I went back after 7 weeks and then My son, I took like the normal, you know, you're allowed to take 12 weeks kind of thing. Not that it was paid because we don't do that in Pennsylvania or anywhere in the U.S. probably. (laughs) Um, And then I ended up extending it. And my district was really awesome. And you could extend it actually up to two years. Oh, that's cool. And you don't get paid and you you don't get insurance or anything, but they hold your position. So you could go back. Yeah. So that's super nice. So I extended it. And then that's when I started doing all of the, I explore science, um, just kind of on the side resources and the professional development program and all like course and all that. I s- started that up and connected with you and, um, and then I told the district I wasn't coming back because I'm really enjoying working with teachers through the website and doing, just working on curriculum all the time. And I still miss being in the classroom sometimes, but I also really like making my own schedule and yeah. being home with my kids. And we also had our third, like, two months ago. He's not two months yet. So (laughs) I can't even imagine going back to the classroom at this point right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I got to say, um, so we're recording this when I'm on summer break and it's fabulous. I, every year I'm like, why do I, why do I go back? And then I'm like, oh yeah, it's the money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, but yeah. So how did you get started with NGSS? So my first science gig was in a private school that had no curriculum. Well, it, it had, you know, like probably what everybody, you know, the list of students will know X, Y, Z, but it had no curriculum where it's like, we're learning these things at this point, And we're learning these things at this point. It was just like the list of standards and the teacher prior, like before me, I guess probably just, follow the textbook, you know? Um, so she just worked her way chapter by chapter and I knew I didn't want to do that. So I started investigating like alternative curriculums. I really wanted to do something that was like what I did at Allegheny. So I went to Allegheny college, um, with environmental science, it was all just very much local based and hands-on and you were in the environment and, um, everything was just like authentic problems. Like we learned about wind energy by working with a local company who wanted to put in a windmill, or wind turbine or, you know, things like that. So I want to do stuff like that. Um, And then I can't remember exactly how I came across the NGSS. I think just through, I joined NSTA because, I mean, like, kind of like you, your first situation, like I didn't have any other teachers with me. I was the only fifth and sixth grade science teacher. There was a seventh and eighth grade science teacher, but she was also brand new. Um, And so I started working with the NGSS just in my own classroom, trying to create a curriculum around it. Um, my first curriculum was—it was I did like the number one mistake that I think everybody thinks of or does when they first start with the NGSS. It's like the content changes, mm-hmm. so I had my idea of like I knew I wanted to do hands-on and and the science practices and all of that. But when I looked at the standards, it was like this is the content, and so I'm going to put it in this part of the year, and then the next content is this part, and then the next content is that part, and that obviously reflected in my teaching, and I still did the hands-on stuff. I did still did some inquiry stuff, but not to the extent of like what the NGSS should be. And then I started to get a much better grip on it um, when I was able to attend the NSTA National Conference. Um, just through one of the teacher award programs they have, everybody should, like side note, everybody should apply for those because they, I don't I've won several different awards, so I want to say, like, they probably don't have a lot of applicants. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> I think I was a good applicant, but still, you know, definitely apply for them, but I was able to go to several of the conferences, basically paid for because of these awards, um, and attended some, like, additional trainings while I was there, specifically um, on NGSS, and that's when I started to really start to understand it. So, what about you? When did you start using them? So, I, mine was back in, like, tw- basically, it's I think there were even a preliminary draft when I first started, like 2013. Um,
1: I th- I think I printed my first like copy of the standards in like 2013. Um, I like I said, I was the only teacher at my school who was teaching biology, chemistry, and then seventh grade life science. So I was also writing like all of my stuff from scratch. Um, I noticed that the textbook we had for life science didn't even mention ecology. So I was like, oh, <laughs> we got to do something about this. Um, and then I asked to go to um, an early implementers training in, I think, 2014. And my coworker and I went and we kind of freaked out and we were like, oh, my gosh, we need to do something in our district because um, our that district was, I think, something like um, 70% EL's. Um, and so they they just did English and math and English and math and English and math oh. and no science K five. So we went back to our district and we were like, we have to do something about this and we'll help. Um so we started doing um NGSS training in that district. Um we started with K2 and then she left me. So <laughs> we kind of stopped. Yeah. Um so um that's really how I got started with this. And then um when I moved to my new district 2 years ago, it was um I was in a new district and I didn't really know anybody and one of the weird things about working at a K8 school is that um all of the elementary schools in our district are K8. So we don't have a centralized middle school. So I don't work with other middle school teachers. I work, you know, like um, just with my six, eight team. So you know, there are other eighth grade teachers, but they teach math and English and stuff like that. So, um, so I think that that's when I really got started with Instagram and my blog and all of that kind of stuff, just that feeling of isolation and really wanting to reach out and find some people.
0: Yeah. I definitely have to say when I moved to, so when I left the private school and I went to a public, like an urban public school here in Erie, um, my team there was like so amazing and I learned so much just by like our interactions and bouncing ideas off of each other. Um, we did a lot of co-planning and it was awesome because there. the year I went, um, there was one teacher who had like come in the year before and there was another teacher who was new. So like the three of us, I mean, we also just became really good friends, but we were all like really excited about the new standards and about changing how, um, you know, things were taught just because a lot of the older teachers were kind of more traditional approaches, textbook, um, vocabulary worksheets and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it was really like, I just learned so much just by having that team there. And that's like where I really got into the five E model and understanding just how it all works together. Um, yeah, so it's, Super! It makes such a difference when you do have like that community, whether it's like right. an online community or like with you planning. But right, right, and I we're working on that in my district, but it just like the the
1: structure of the district really makes us have to work at that. And it you know it took me a while to find my
0: people. At the yeah, district, so. yeah, you can't just like like it was so nice because you could just walk across the hall and be like, "What do you think about this idea? To this yeah. concept or something?" Yeah,
1: like. My very first job was in a school where we had 10 science teachers, and that was just incredible. Just, you know, like, oh, man, I don't know what I'm doing today. What are we going to do? And it it was really nice to
0: have that support. Yeah, it's definitely So, like, I I liked, I didn't really like high school kids, to be honest. Like, I mean, I liked them, but I didn't really like teaching them because it wasn't that fun. The ninth graders I taught were basically middle school kids, so I enjoyed that. Um, but when I had to do like my upper level electives, I was always like, "Ugh, I like oh. you guys as people, but you're just really boring to teach." Oh, um, I really so that's just be like personally. <laughs> I I love high school,
1: but um, I think it just is a different. You have to kind of be a different person to teach middle school, and I think I'm finding that person. But at first, I was just like they thought I was really mean and oh, really sarcastic, and yeah, it was first couple years of
0: teaching middle school were not great, but uh, I see so, like. Yeah, I like gravitate toward like the weird, like quirkiness of middle school kids. <laughs> where I'm like, this is entertaining, and I like it. Uh, which is also why I like ninth grade, because a lot of the high school teachers are like, "Ew, the ninth graders are just the worst yeah. grade to teach." And yeah. I'm like, the tenth and eleventh and twelfth graders are just really boring. I, I like them as people, yeah. but yeah. not really enjoying teaching them. But um, I mean, that's why everybody has like their their, their right thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but so I liked teaching at my school because I loved the community there but I definitely prefer teaching just like middle school students because they're weird and quirky and I (laughs) next to that (laughs) they're definitely weird like you're my people (laughs) (laughs) um so that's good yeah so I said like my one of my like biggest early misconception was was content for sure I just thought the NGSS was different content and if I change my content I've met the standards but what was one of your kind of early challenges or misunderstandings about the NGSS
1: Um, I think I did kind of the same thing. I just looked, I was only looking at the DCI. And um, so those are the disciplinary core ideas for people who are new to NGSS. And I basically took what students needed to know and put them in the right slot, basically. Um, I I pretty much taught the same thing, just in a different order with a slightly different twist on it. Um, I really didn't make many adjustments to my teaching for a pretty long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
0: No, I I definitely agree. My, I mean, like, so I don't want to say I, like, taught boring because I still had the kids doing fun activities, and we did. And that's the thing. Like, you can have have a really engaging and fun class, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's, like, you're using the science practices or is NGSS aligned. So my class was engaging and fun, and they did cool projects, and we did hands-on learning, and we did some inquiry stuff. But as a whole, it wasn't NGSS instruction.
1: Right. I think I, like – I think I thought it was like just inquiry, like if we were doing inquiry and following those standards that I was doing NGSS. So
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I still had all the same, like when I taught content, it was typically like here are, you know, maybe we do the activity, but here's the notes on it. Or like, here's the vocabulary we're going to use tomorrow for this lab or Um and the assessments were still multiple choice, maybe some essay um, you know, essay and written right. response and stuff. But it was it definitely wasn't aligned to the standards. It wasn't using the practices like regularly analyzing data or regularly like developing a model to figure something out. It was yeah. it was right. the cell it was the edible cell models that right. like exactly. well, kind like, exactly. of make fun <laughs> of them. Or like or the
1: the um, you know, the Oreo um moon phase really, yes, I always yeah those things that we both go oh yeah and we're like I definitely did that but no don't do that anymore (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. um Um, it really has taken a long time for me to figure out how all of this works together and I think that that is one of the reasons that we talked about starting um this podcast is to kind of alleviate some of that initial
0: stress that
1: teachers have with yeah yeah
0: I mean because you can I mean, basically I puzzled a lot of it out. I mean, I did mm-hmm. go to the conferences and some workshops and things that definitely shed a lot of like light and clarity on it. But at the same time, a lot of it was just trial and error and kind mm-hmm. of diving a little bit deeper and you make a resource and you think it's good and then you look at it up uh, Two months later, and you're like, "No, that really wasn't what it was supposed to be."
1: I know. I was uh, recently looking at like old blog
0: posts, and I was like, "Oh, I need to take that down because I'm like, nope, that's not exactly it." Yes, so. no, I know. I've looked at a couple old ones, and I'm like, "Oh shoot," I like it, it's not completely wrong, but it's not completely right either. Exactly. Um, it needs it needs a little tweaking. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. Even, but honestly, even now. Um. So I was the last couple. I've been well for since like January. I've been working on this one. Unit And I've done other things in between, but I've been working on this, like um, the standards for cells and tissues and body systems and all that. So I call it my body invaders unit because it's all focused on viruses. And Mm -hmm. so I've been developing the assessment. I'm like finally almost done with it, developing this assessment. And I've been going into the evidence statements. So. Side note, if you are not familiar, the evidence statements kind of break down what the performance expectation is. So your performance expectation says something like, engage in argument from evidence to, I don't know, explain that the body is a system of interacting subsystems. And that's not the exact words. It's, yeah, that's about it. it. (laughs) Um, And then the evidence statement will break down. So if a student is doing that, these are the, the things that you would see in their response. So it'll say like, Um, identifies the claim and includes this information that the body is a system of interacting subsystems and then evaluates or provides evidence to show that cells are or specific cells are grouped together to form tissues that carry out functions so they really break it down so I've been using that to build my assessment and honestly I like the assessment was so hard to construct because I'm trying to figure out a way to tie it to a phenomenon to like give students a phenomenon and then also have them elicit all this information or like, or give me all this information. I'm trying to elicit the information. Um, And then I went back and reread it and students don't really have to make up any claim. You can kind of give them the claim and then they use the phenomenon and it like, it's just really, it is super confusing. So if you're just starting out, it's confusing. And then there's times that even if you're not just starting out, you like read it and you think, you know what it means. And then you kind of look closer and that was the point you look closer and it's not exactly what you thought it meant. Like there's a little bit more to it or it's a little bit different or maybe it's easier than what you were thinking it was, but there's just,
1: I mean, just even when you're looking at the practices and I don't know when I, when I first started, I thought I just had to use one practice when I was teaching, you know, like a teaching to a certain performance expectation and now i feel like i use them like interchangeably and all together and so it it
0: gets more complicated but it also gets much more rich yes yeah i definitely agree that was another thing that i when i kind of started to realize it wasn't all about the content and that it was more about the pra- like the practices just embedding those practices into really almost every activity you do in the classroom to some extent and that's really what the three dimensional instruction is you know doing the whole the whole SEP science and engineering practices your cross cutting concepts and then your content your disciplinary core ideas all together so why don't we talk about how we started collaborating awesome um so like I had said, I basically got into started I explore science and started really thinking about how I could expand it. Cause I'd had some resources online, and I'd had a blog in the past, um, but I was when I was on maternity leave um, I was like, this is a great time to focus on it. Cause when you have a new baby, you like, why not start something new? Um, <laughs> like great, you didn't have anything going right. on. So. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, but no, I mean, even on maternity leave, I think adults need adult time. And this was, I love working. So this was my like adult, my my me time. Yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes it has to do with work, but I like it. Um, but so I think I found your blog and I can't remember exactly how, cause I really wasn't on Instagram at that point. I must have just been like Googling or something. And so you were writing about NGSS. And I think one of the first things I found was one of your, like, it was one of your early posts and it was a number thing. It was like a list of like five ways to start NGSS or five ways to read an evidence statement or something like that. There were numbers involved. And I was (laughs) like, oh my gosh, she explains it so like organized and so nicely. And I was actually a little intimidated at first, (laughs) but um, then I kind of... Was like, okay, I don't want to be, I don't want to get competitive. I just want to work t- with other teachers to like, spread the NGSS word. Yeah. Um, and then, so I think I reached out and was like, Hey, let's, let's collaborate. Yeah. I think I had
1: a similar experience and I'm glad that you said that you felt a little competitive. Cause I was like, "Oh, who's this lady? And, yes.
0: then- <laughs> and I can just, I can be competitive and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't like someone on my turf. Like this right, is right, right, fine. And then, then I was like, no, okay, calm yes. down.
1: We can yeah. just like work together. Well, and like I I started like putting stuff on Teachers Pay Teachers and I'm like, oh man, like, you know, she's going to like be in my niche. And then I realized like, I don't have enough time to create all of the things that need to be done. I don't, you know, like there's just so much more to do and there's so much space in this, you know, this environment. And it was like, no, I need this lady's help. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, it was, yeah. Because you do think like, Oh, they're going to say all the things that I have to say, but then you just realize there's like a bazillion things to say. And right. even like, even so creating resources, um, there's like nobody except Julie really that, I mean, I, I think there's maybe a couple other people, but not that I really know well, but like it's doing elementary resources. Right. So that's mm-hmm. like whole wide and open. Definitely. Um, and just for those of you guys who don't know, that's um, Julie Cannon. And,
1: um, let's see, we'll link to her, um, Instagram or her TPT page
0: in the show notes. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so she does a lot with elementary and then even, but then like looking at middle and high school standards, there's so many different ways to bundle the standards that like my unit on cells and body systems and all of that, somebody else might take that bundle and add in like three other different standards and do it in a whole like completely different way. So. I mean, really, once you, like, start thinking about it, there's no way that you can really step on anybody's toes in this space right now because right. the standards are so new to everybody.
1: Right. And also, I think that it's so important that um, that phenomena be local and that they be relatable. So, the things that my students relate to won't be the same thing that students over in Pennsylvania yes. <laughs> relate to. So, like, there's just so much room for
0: more ideas. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So... I mean, if you guys, so like side note, if anybody out there is working on NGSS resources, if you have an NGSS blog that we haven't discovered yet, definitely reach out and we'd love to connect with you and talk and, and create this just growing NGSS community and hold hands and (laughs) get a campfire going. We can have virtual campfires. Yeah. (laughs) So Yeah, that'll be good. So. I guess that was kind of our stories in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there anything else we really wanted to like talk about? I mean, that's how we connected. Um, yes. so then we started doing the like you did a couple of the workshops for the um NGSS your science class course that I have on my site. Um, and then you obviously have all of your own like resources. I did notice you're doing a bunch of elementary, so um, I
1: am, because this is my new like, soapbox thing that I'm getting on, is that we need to be teaching science in elementary school, and my daughter's going into third grade, and I'm kind of freaking out that um, that there's a lot of old science happening in elementary, mm-hmm. I think, nationwide, and that I just want to support the elementary school teachers in this process, and then also it gives me something to do with her during the summer that's not just like reading Harry Potter for 12 hours. So. yeah,
0: I don't know. That sounds like a kind of a good summer day. <laughs> I think I filled up my summers I was just like yeah. reading Harry Potter over it's- and over and over again. There's also- only so long though that you can like read out loud. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I was just thinking, I was listening to a podcast today about reading out loud to your kids. And I mean, we do, I do it all the time. We read, you know, my kids are like four, three. Right. Um, so we read stories to them, but, um, but it does get tiring read. Like it's like physically tiring just reading right. out loud sometimes. Right. But, um, yeah. Also side note on Harry Potter. I definitely, when I was in high school, we were very upset. Like I had a group of friends. I was very obsessed with Harry Potter. So we read these books like over and over again. We also like made our own little Harry Potter videos and things like that. We were yeah, I'm so old. I think that like the Harry Potter books were coming out when I was in college I was
1: working in a bookstore. So like people would come in, do you have the latest book? And
0: so that's yeah. my Harry Potter experience. Oh yeah, no, I was in middle school when the first, the first, some of them came out. But then obviously you took like years yeah. for like some of the other ones. Yeah. But, but yeah, those are good, good memories. Yeah, yeah. Not science related. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but um, all right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, guys, and tuning in and letting us tell you a little bit about our um, starts in the. NGSS and science field and teaching and all of that and Harry Potter. Yeah. And also make sure that you turn in tune in next week when we talk
1: about the biggest changes that happened to us with the NGSS or the biggest the biggest changes that we see with the NGSS. Yes, definitely.
0: Cause there's I mean there's a lot of changes, but I yeah, we're gonna talk about the ones that we are like these are the biggest changes and if you get these then you kind of are on your way to getting NGSS and you can kind of embrace that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.
1: Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3D Planner to grab yours. That's saddlerscience.com slash 3D planner.